0: This morning, God's Word comes to us from Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24, we'll be reading just the first 14 verses of this chapter. Matthew 24, beginning in verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 895 in the back section. This is Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day, 48. And this morning I'll read for you the one question and answer, question 123. Reading from page 895, question 123, what does the second petition mean? Your kingdom come means rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. Preserve and increase your church. Destroy the devil's work. Destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do all this until your kingdom fully comes when you will be all in all. Well, this morning we are continuing our study of the Lord's Prayer. Last time we entered into the petitions of the prayer. Last time it was a prayer for God's name, hallowed be your name, and this morning a prayer for God's kingdom. Your kingdom come as we enter into this prayer, there's a little different character as to how we are approaching God. We recognize that we're praying to God who is our Father, and there is a certain intimacy in the prayer that we have to Him. This petition, uh, your kingdom come, recognizes not only that God is our Father, but our Father is the King. And we are citizens of his kingdom. So we approach God recognizing uh, the expanse of who he is. Not simply that personal relationship, father and child, but God who is king over all. Your kingdom come. And I've always thought this is a little bit of a strange petition. Your kingdom come. Isn't it the case that God's kingdom is already here? Don't we say that we are citizens of the kingdom? We are living in God's kingdom. And yet we pray, your kingdom come. We are are not saying that God's kingdom is not here already. God's kingdom was firmly inaugurated when Jesus Christ came as the ruler of the kingdom. But we pray this prayer, your kingdom come, because there is more fullness. There is a fuller expression of the kingdom, which will be fully consummated when Christ comes back again and he is all in all. So we're praying that God's kingdom would advance. Not that it's not here already, but that your kingdom may come in more fullness. A prayer to see more of the coming Of God's kingdom. Now, kids, when I say kingdom, maybe if you think about a kingdom, you know, in my mind, I kind of picture a big castle with towers, and it's up on a hill, and it's kind of far away in the distance, a big kingdom someplace else. When we pray, your kingdom come, there is a real personal part of that prayer and that's how our confession begins what does your kingdom come means your kingdom come means rule us by your word and spirit to pray this prayer is a prayer that God God would change us he would change our lives that we would see his rule more firmly established in our homes, in our work, in our education, in our recreation. It's not not my nature to desire to be ruled by someone else, which is why we pray this prayer. God, your kingdom come, rule me by your word and by your spirit. Change my heart that I desire to walk in your ways. That I desire to recognize your kingship as it's established more and more in my own life. There's a real personal quality to this prayer. Rule us by your word and spirit. Rule us by your word. Every Sunday morning, kids, we read God's holy law for us that law which teaches us how to respond to God in gratitude for the gift of salvation, that is the law for kingdom citizens. The law, we must not see that as something negative, something that keeps us from enjoying life. God's law is His mandate for those who live in His kingdom. It is the path of blessing. It is the path of freedom. It is the path of safety. If you want to be firmly established, being ruled by God's word and spirit, then listen carefully to his law. And by his spirit, follow that law. It is the law of the kingdom. Rule us by your word and by your spirit. Help us more and more to submit to you. We recognize this is an ongoing process in our lives where more and more we continue to conform ourselves to the ways of God. And so we pray this prayer over and over. Make me continue to grow in my sanctification is the big word we use for that. Grow in my ability to look more like the King Jesus Christ. Continue by your Spirit to work in me. It's a personal prayer. Your kingdom come. It is also a prayer that recognizes the broadness of God's kingdom. Now we know that God's kingdom is a kingdom over every part of our lives. There's no place we go, there's no minute that we live where Jesus Christ is not king over what we are doing. We recognize that, there's a broadness of God's kingdom. This morning I wanna focus, as our confession does, on one part of that kingdom, the church. The church is certainly included within the kingdom of God. Our confession, your kingdom come, means not only rule us by your word and spirits, we more and more submit to you, preserve and increase your church. Preserve your church. Hold on to us. Don't let us go. When Jesus describes what it would be like in the last days, we read these frightening verses from verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Because of lawlessness will increase. The love of many will grow cold. What is so frightening about that? Not the events themselves, but that many will fall away. Many will be affected. The love of many will grow cold. And so we pray, God, preserve your church. Keep us close to you. It's a needed prayer because we are so weak. We see, in, even in the church, many growing cold today to the gospel. Many who would replace the, the importance and the significance of the public declaration of the word of God with something else more exciting Something else we think is more fun to do in worship, rather than listening to our God speak to us. The love of many grows cold, and we have to confess, we are just as vulnerable to this as anyone is, and so we pray, your kingdom come, preserve your church, preserve your church, and increase your church. Increase not only in number, we love to see that as well, but increase in our, in our devotion to you as our king. Increase our desire to live for you. We pray in this, in this prayer that God would bless the efforts of adding to his church, that the gospel would continue to go out and lives be impacted by the glorious truth of Jesus Christ. We're engaged in that. We're called to speak to those in our circle of influence, telling them the truth that we know about Jesus Christ who is king over the kingdom. We do that when we speak to those outside to the world. We also speak to those inside. We speak to our children about the importance of, of being an active member in the church. We speak to our children We tell them the importance of Biblical church membership. As our children grow up, some of them move away for various reasons, some of them go off to college. Have we told them as parents the importance of finding a Biblical reformed church in which to worship? We can't just assume that's gonna happen. I think of those of our our students who go off to college. Some go to Christian colleges, some do not. They will encounter roommates who may have a very different idea of what happens on a Sunday morning and on a Sunday evening. Have we told our children the importance of finding a local church and worshiping regularly? Increase our desire to be a part of your church. Parents, if you haven't had that conversation with your children yet, today's a good day to do it. The importance of biblical church membership, whether you are here or whether they are elsewhere, your kingdom come. Preserve and increase your church. As as God's kingdom advances, the devil's kingdom is in decline. Our confession once again. Destroy the devil's work. Destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Destroy the devil's work. From our text, verse 4. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will lead many astray. Deceiving. Deception is the work of the devil." And that deception, frighteningly, comes not from outside the church, it also comes from inside the church. The devil speaks to those inside the church. Children, if the devil came to you dressed in red with a pitchfork and horns, you would recognize him right away. That's not how the devil comes. The devil, at times, comes looking just like a child of God. Many will come in my name, even saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. When we think of the current controversies the church faces, Probably most, the most foundational controversy still going on is the nature of justification. Maybe you've heard terms like federal vision or new perspective on Paul or things like that. Those controversies did not come from outside the church. They came from inside the church. We must pray that God destroy the works of the devil, destroy anything which would challenge his holy word, anything that would lead us away from the word. When I was in seminary, there was a a, a movement going on. Thankfully, it's done now, but years ago it was going on. A very formal way to challenge God's word. It was called the Jesus Seminar. Maybe some of you remember the Jesus Seminar. What they did, kids, is the scholars, the really smart guys, were going to try to figure out how much of what Jesus said in the New Testament did he really say? How much did he really say? And these smart guys are going to figure that out. And this is how they did it. They each had a set of four marbles. I'm not making this up. This is really what they did. And they would read a statement of Jesus. And if they were absolutely sure he said it, they'd put in one color marble. If they were pretty sure, they put in a different color marble. If they were pretty sure he didn't say it, another color. And if they were sure Jesus didn't say it, another color. They put them all in a bag, count the marbles, and determine if Jesus said it or not. A formal challenge. This was, this was ongoing for years, the Jesus seminar. A formal challenge against the Word of God. Interestingly, they've only found that Jesus said about 20% of what's recorded. The foolishness of man destroy every force which would challenge your holy word that is sometimes done in formal ways sometimes it's done in informal ways when we when we hear the same type of phrases said over and over and we begin to believe them the bible's